Hello. Hi. And welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Lower Level. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Moshi. And I'm Patrizio. And if you're not about the namaste, get out of my way. <laughs> I was thinking who you would be today, but I like that you went with what I think is probably one of the better taglines Teresa has ever had. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so um, before we re- dig into Atlanta, Dallas and Salt Lake City, have you got any news headlines for us? Well, funny that I chose a Teresa tagline when this league, the New Jersey season taglines were released. Yes. Moshi, who do you toot and who are you booting? I liked Margaret. So I'm tooting Margaret. Um, I'm just going to bring it up again because I totally just lost it. But I think her one made the most sense. And I think I also really liked Jackie's one as well. Um, let me see. I've just like, got to read these out again. So Marge's one is I renovate, elevate, and sometimes instigate. I mean, I like it. I like the alliteration. I like the rhyming. It works for me. Um, and then Jackie's one is I may be cut from a different cloth, but it's top quality fabric. I mean, that would have been so good for Jill Zarin. <laughs> Do you think that um, Jackie is going to release like a clothing line or something? Like what's that, you know, foreshadowing? No, I think she's talking about how they kept telling her last for the last two seasons that she's cut from a different cloth. Like they kept trying to displace her because she doesn't have that Italian heritage and they were using that against her. You know, they kept saying because she's Jewish, that's what they were insinuating. They were being so anti-Semitic that because she's Jewish, she couldn't possibly understand their relationships. But they were just using that as an, as an excuse to let, you know, Teresa and get away with, like, outrageous behaviour. I mean, I'm personally a fan of Jennifer Aiden's. Um, whoever nah. says money can't buy happiness clearly doesn't have my credit limit. Well, Moshi, clearly you do not share my credit limit either because I love it. No. it. So these ones are, like, the Countess has already done all the things about, like, money can't buy you this. Like, I feel like that sort of statement, it's been played out. It's been done before. Jennifer Aiden should have done something about plastic surgery because, I mean, I'm looking at her picture. She has a whole new face. She has a whole new waist. Her boobs have clearly been done again. Like, I think she should have gone with something to do with plastic surgery. <sighs> yeah, perhaps. I don't know. I feel it's like not the worst one, season. though. Um, it's not the worst one. What I actually want to talk about, though, with this news headline is uh, Melissa Gorga released the, the uh, opening. <laughs> yes, she doesn't have a great one, but she released the opening scene uh, on her Instagram, like, early now was this like a PR stunt or was it actual mistake on her behalf no I think she's just dumb (laughs) I think she thought I think she thought that everybody like she obviously knew that they were going to be getting released this week or perhaps they weren't and now they've had to be released but I just think she's dumb well it's interesting because the the video that she released actually has different taglines I think for Jennifer Aiden and somebody else oh Teresa's Teresa's is like slightly different to the one from Melissa Gorga's uh, Instagram post. Well, this is what happens when you're not in, on, in the, like, editing suite, when you're not writing the actual copy. 
you don't know what's what's coming out. So, I mean, if you want to post bootleg shit to start talk, go for it. That's why I'm like, was it a PR stunt? At this point, no. To be honest, their trailer was so good that I think we'll be fine. And then the other PR stunt is that a lot of the um, kind of Bravo influencers mm. They've all already seen the first episode. They all got uh, given a copy of the first episode and they're all hyping it up. Yeah, and I just want to say if anybody listening out there is perhaps one of those people that sends um, premiere (laughs) episodes, um, (laughs) I just feel like they should really think about offering an Australian point of view um, to Oh, 100%. Just slide into our DMs, bravo, at the lower level pod. Um, we're always down to watch a premiere episode, of course. I think the last thing I just want to, like, briefly mention is the fact that, like, half the housewives from New Jersey have not been given new title cards. Uh, only Teresa and Melissa got the refresh. Even though they did, like, all new promo photos. Um, is that shady? I think it was shady. And because, like, a few of them don't even look the same. Like, I, uh, Margaret hasn't had that hair for like five years like, oh, the there's been a whole presidency that has come and gone and the you hair know what changed. i i know that like this is perhaps stuff that people can do from home but i suspect it may, might be covid related and i suspect that you know halfway through the season we might see the title cards change i think it was perhaps just about getting things ready for the premiere like there's probably a few things that just haven't worked out and I think that they will, the others will get updated eventually. Well, justice for these other housewives, but I am totally looking forward to this premiere that's coming like mid-Feb. Yeah, I've, I've restarted watching um, New Jersey from the beginning just to like hype myself up. I'm excited. I'll probably only watch like the first six or seven seasons. I think that's all I'll need. What, what season are we up to? My God. I think they've got 11 or 12 seasons. So I think this is season 13, possibly. Oh my God. Or less. But um, yeah, we should really know that. That's why we don't get offered the premiere <laughs> episodes because our history is shit. But um, yeah, no, I'm hyped. I'm, I'm doing an interesting little rewatch of New Jersey. Uh, speaking of presidencies, though, um, <laughs> Barbara, <laughs> Barbara, who was the friend of uh, Luann on New York Housewives for like a whole five seconds, um, she's running for New York mayor. I've seen that, yeah. She's announced her candidacy. Because New York needs to be rebuilt, and so they should trust a builder, and she's the woman for the job. Because, you know, she works in construction, just in case you didn't know. Um. Well, good luck to her campaign. I'm sure she's not a front runner, but, like, you know, you've got to be in it to win it, I guess. Well, apparently... Um, I think it was Pet Shop Boy, he posted that he, like, checked out her website and there's some things in there that aren't very cool. Like, I think people think, I think, like, she's obviously quite fun and lighthearted, but she's quite conservative. So as great as it would be to have a housewife as the mayor of New York, because, I mean, de Blasi, I guess he's not doing a great job. Um, Yeah, I think, I don't think uh, Barbara is the mayor that New York needs right now. Um, who would be your pick if we had to pick Spike one? Of them? No, not a housewife. I would no. never choose a housewife. But if you had to pick Carol a new York housewife, well. interesting. Carol. Carol, I want to put Sonia in the mayorship. Wow, no, 
Do you know the problem with Sonia is that she would never get anything out because she'd always be like, you know, when I was in the south of France eating frog's legs with so-and-so, we did this thing and it worked really well there. And people are like, we just want to put a new bridge up, you know? I feel like she has the infrastructure. She has the interns. (laughs) (laughs) No, I honestly think if you have to choose a New York housewife, it's the most political of the housewives for me. Um, Cara Radziwell, perhaps maybe Cindy Barship. Um, oh, Heather Holler Thompson. Holla! <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know about Carol. Can you have a princess as a mayor, like, to be decided? No, but I think, I think Heather, I think you definitely, I think maybe um, Carol would be a great, like, campaign manager. But I definitely think you need somebody who who lives downtown as opposed to on the Upper East Side. That's mm. all I'm saying. You need somebody who's maybe, I mean, not completely in touch, but not completely out of touch. Um, moving right along uh, down the coast to Atlanta. I don't know if you saw this, Moshi, but Mark Daly, I think, uh, released this information that um, they are proceeding him and Kenya to be divorced. Woo! Hallelujah. I know. I feel like I actually thought they were already getting divorced because of like the start of the season on Atlanta, but apparently not. Yeah, I'm glad that they've just finally like pulled the trigger on this. Yeah, I think I think Kenya had been trying to make it work, but I guess she, I guess she'd realized that she wasn't going to make it work, but um, she hadn't filed for divorce yet. And I know it's it can be. I think particularly in the states, who files for divorce is very important. Well, yes, but perhaps, uh, do we know if Mark Daly is the one that filed for divorce here? Because he's just the one that's, like, announced it. No, I have no idea. But um, all I do know is that good riddance, he needs to go. Yeah, like, I feel like this is, like, one of those things, like, it's just, like, been draining my energy, like, this whole, like, marriage. I'm, like, way too involved. Um. You know, I just wanted to close out the headlines with um, one final headline, uh, Moshi. Um, I do want to announce on this podcast that um, Real Housewives of Orange County is being axed. Um, You're literally just making up shit now. But, like, let's be real. I'm going to call it before it becomes a headline. That will be a headline soon. I'm calling the axing of a franchise. You want to know something? I, I think that it won't be axed. But because I, I, it has the OC has like such a core group of people who love the show and who love it for the OGs, you know, people who love Vicky as disgusting as she is, who love Tamara as disgusting as she is. And what the people are really calling for is like a rejig. I think they're just like they need to wipe the slate clean with these housewives and start again. And I think that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, you go sometimes there were some housewives who I thought were redeeming. You know, I thought Emily was a redeeming housewife. But then, like, you learn stuff about her potentially being part of QAnon. <laughs> and then you're just kind of like, oh, I, I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be giving these people television shows. I think it's too far gone at this point. I think we should just rest in peace it. Um, Ooh, pull you know, one out for the homies. Yeah, like it served, it served its 
purpose at one point in this century and now it's time to just put it to bed and we can all pretend it never happened. Okay. I mean... And we, and we all know New York Housewives was the one that put it on the... Put it on, on the, the map. Uh, map. Look, I've just finished my re- my rewatch of uh, The Real Housewives of New York. And can I tell you, like, I definitely was, like, very much in my early 20s when I started watching New York Housewife. And now watching it in my mid-30s, um, it's taken on, like, a whole new, a, a lot of n- new meaning to me. Also being able to know things that are, like, sort of coming in the future and stuff while watching old episodes <laughs> It's like just very interesting to watch with twenty, like with twenty twenty hindsight, and a bit more maturity behind me. And it is undoubtedly the best Housewives franchise. Huge. It, it just no, it 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 really is. Like it, it, there's a reason why, you know, it has the the longest kind of OG cast. You know, mm. there hasn't been that many changes. Like, people leave, but then they tend to come back. Like, there's a real reason that happens. And for me, there, I mean, I don't think, I think I always loved Sonia, but I don't think that I really appreciated just her one-liners and some of the things that she says. That woman is so exceptionally funny. Exceptionally funny. I just want to say, Moshi, um, I was going to say after you said your early 20s, I would be like, so how does it feel now where you're watching it in your mid-20s? But um, No, I gave myself up. I gave myself up. I said mid-30s. It's okay. Thank you for being vulnerable. <laughs> Thanks, <Sarah. laughs> Thank you for being vulnerable. You're an idiot. On that note, let's move right along uh, to... Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yes. The Juiciest Peaches, uh, episode seven. Wow. Yes. I mean, look, I also want to say that Atlanta, as, as much as I love New York, Atlanta was my real gateway franchise. It was the one that I first fell in love with properly. So it has it has a special place in my heart, which is why watching this season up until now has just been so hard. It's been like it's had some great things like you know I love Portia I love the little bits of Marlo that I'm getting but it's been pretty boring well I up s- until now <laughs> well yes because I want to I want to get dig right into this you know we've had a missing persons report for the past few episodes Drew yes <laughs> we've had Drew on Amber Alert yeah somebody has found her mm-hmm. and oh my god Yes. They found not only Drew, but they found Drew's voice. And Drew's voice is iconic. I I felt like this episode had so much more just, like, energy and, like, I'm so interested in Drew. She's so, like, switched on. I felt like she had good shade. I think she was good at, like, calling it out. I'm really loving Drew. Yeah, I mean, we should set a bit of context. So the girls, what they all went to Drew's house for a dinner and it was just the five peach holders so there was no friends of and you know Drew's Drew's husband Ralph was like letting them in the door at one point the chef was letting them in the door but you know the girls just came and they came ready Kenya was definitely not on her a game that day but she was just being nice and it was nice um and I thought it was really good that Portia told Drew that 
um, Latoya had called out her wig. And Drew is not letting that go. It was good. Well, I, I did love that because all the women were like, yeah, like I was expecting Drew's wigs to be terrible. But then I got there and I was like, I don't see what the problem is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I did find it interesting. Like I definitely noticed that as well, that it was just the five peach holders at this dinner, um, which is I think one of the first times really we haven't had any of the, like, the friends of come to one of the events. Um, but Latoya was obviously, um, she did have a place at the table. She had her name there. Um, so I wonder if that is a sign of whether Latoya was meant to have a much larger role in this season um, compared to obviously, I don't know, like the decision that perhaps she wasn't going to be a full-time housewife. Mm. And I'm kind of glad because I don't know I don't know how I feel about Latoya after seeing how strong Drew is as a housewife because I think like this week I get it. Um, I just feel like Latoya. I don't know what she's bringing, and I loved how shady Drew was towards Latoya about like having her YouTube career as well. Oh, in the confessionals, I thought that was shady, but at the same time, it was like I also wanted to say to her, "But bitch, yes, people do have whole careers from YouTube, like." That has we live in the gig economy. That is a, a legitimate career path. Yeah, I mean that's what we're trying to do here. Like the minute this podcast gets monetized, like retiring. <laughs> I've been trying to get you to do your mukbang ASMR YouTube for a while now, Patrizio. Just you eating bananas and other things. I'm just waiting for you to turn one of my iconic quotes from one of these podcasts into a jumper, and then we. The can way I'm rolling it. my eyes right now. <laughs> Your iconic quotes. Okay, whatever. Um, let's move <laughs> along, though. Um, I, I thought it was so good, yes, to finally just get all the women together who hold peaches. Drew showed us who she is and what she was meant to, to be. And it was actually really nice to see that her and Ralph, that their toxic friend relationship, their toxic marriage is improving. Yes. It's getting better. Yeah. Well, I guess they've had a few, like, life stresses leading up to this point. And, you know, that's always going to have an impact on your relationship. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they've been in therapy. We saw that a few episodes ago. And hopefully they're still at therapy. Um, so, yeah. And I loved how all the other women were, like, fawning over him. Because I know, like, I don't know if you're as much of a fan of him as I am. I'm not. You know I'm not. Oh, that photo on Instagram this week. They were copying, no, the the OG photo of Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade is much better. But I am equally as here for it. No, no. You need to get your eyes checked. I'm sorry, but Ralph is, like, not that hot. He's, like, just okay. From the neck down, though. (laughs) Okay, so he's like some carving. We need to chop his head off. I'm here for that. Well, we don't need to chop his <laughs> Get head the off. Guillotine. Do it donkey style. I don't know. Okay, wow. This podcast is heading in the wrong direction. Let's get it back on track. Back on track. Well, I don't know if this is actually back on track, but let's talk about the Bachelorette. <laughs> Speaking of from the neck down, can I just say the girls have organized a bachelorette weekend or it's their cast trip and 
No, Where are they going? I'm sorry, hang on. The Bachelorette weekend is like such an afterthought. <laughs> like, oh, of course it is because they're in a pandemic. Yeah, I know, but it, I just feel like, uh, I don't know. Anyway, yes, they are going to South Carolina to the beach, the Isle of Palms. Um, the, the fact that Kenya's even shocked that there were that many palm trees. I was like, it's literally called the Isle of Isle Palms. Isle of Palms. Um, can I just tell you, the highlight for me was when um, Candy was talking to Todd about organising the Bachelorette, and I just love how sex positive her and Todd are when she's like, oh, I need to get the strippers, and he was like, oh, yeah, you should get the ones that we had from the dungeon. Like, you need a husband who is going to help you organise strippers for your girlfriend's Bachelorette party. I mean, that is that is great. Well, I mean, do you think... It- she even like was on that wavelength. I feel like he, she only like jumped on because he, he said, said it. "Well, yeah, because he's organizing the bachelor party." Yeah, which, uh, he's gonna go like strip club hopping. Which I mean, like, first of all, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm very like COVID, like COVID safe, but that does not sound COVID safe to go <laughs> strip club hopping. But I don't know. It just sounds like I don't know. I'm not into that. Well, Atlanta is the home, like not the home of strip clubs, <laughs> but it home is of the strippers. No, no, but it's it's known for having some, like literally, some of the best strippers in America work in Atlanta. Like the strip culture there is so much different than in many other places. Like people aren't as conservative about going to the strip club as they are here. Like here, to go to a strip club is such a ugh, and it's a gross experience. There, it's like a real experience. You can go have lunch watch some amazing adult entertainment and then go home. You can go with your partner. You can go on a date to the strip club. You could record a podcast in the strip club. Oh, my God. I could never. We, yes, you could. You could 100. The only problem with you is that, like, every two seconds you'd be like, oh, did you see what she did? Oh, how did they do? I want to learn how to do that. Like, that would be the thing is you would just get distracted because you'd be like, I want to know how they did that. Kid in candy store. <laughs> mm, candy coated nights. <laughs> but yeah, so this afterthought bachelorette, I thought what the shadiest thing of all was that um, Latoya and Kenya took the private jet up and everybody else had to get on the sprinter that had no air conditioning. But you know what? I think, like, this has been addressed, like, somewhere, I'm sure. Like, I'm the king of not remembering any references. But, like, at the end of the day, production pays for, like, the trip. And if you want to upsize your deal, that's on you and your money. So if, like, if Kenya wants to splurge on the money and get herself a private jet instead of going the sprinter, like, fair enough. I, I don't think that's necessarily the issue. The issue isn't that she took the private jet. It's that she didn't tell anyone anything. And I think that that's also kind of the same with her bringing her child on the trip. Um, I mean, this is something that we've seen in other on other Housewives franchises. You know, we saw the same thing with, like, Ashley Darby and Wendy on Potomac. But I think it's just that thing of, like, lack of communication lack of saying, hey, I'm bringing my daughter. You might want to bring your daughters too or your babies too. Like it's just that simple because I think going into it, everybody's like it's a ladies. The 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 default is it's a girl's trip. 
So if you're adding anything extra to that, I think you have to communicate it. I mean, they've been on the show long enough to know that that's how it works. Well, you know, I, I think it actually speaks, I mean, bringing her child, um, Kenya bringing her child on this trip speaks more to like her, uh, I don't know whether it's like her wanting to be in control or the fact that she just like has separation anxiety from her child. Uh, but she even like says like she's never left their daughter like alone with Mark Daly. Like the daughter is always like attached to Kenya. Um, so like that's the reason why she can't like leave the kid at home. She actually like I don't think she would cope at all. Um, but yes, she she definitely like I think this is also Kenya being like, well, it's my trip, therefore like I can do what I want and I don't have to answer to anyone either, right? Like she doesn't have to ask permission from anyone, like can I bring my kid? Can I bring the nanny? Can I have a separate house for the them for them to stay in? Like it's her trip. She can do what she wants and she doesn't need to answer to nobody. I yeah, I agree with you, but I think the point that's missing is that she does these things knowing like you, you, okay here's my thing this stuff is going to blow up and it's going to cause issues and it could have all been avoided by her simply saying oh yeah hey i'm catching a private jet you can organize your own if you want to catch one too oh and i'm also bringing my daughter if you want to bring your kid you can arrange it too like that is literally how simple it is yeah nothing is simple with kenya moore and that's that's the problem right there yeah, well, I'm sure that we will see the outcome of all of that next week. I mean, it was a huge discussion. I mean, can we just talk very briefly about Marlo arriving for the Sprinter ride? Um, she was serving us pandemic realness. Yes, hazmat suit, the gloves, the mask, loved it all. Full Naomi Campbell realness. And the minute she finds out that Kenya went on that private jets boom I think she kind of snapped yeah 100% <sighs> yes it was definitely a story of the sprinter versus the jet this episode and I feel like I feel bad for Kenya as well because I think the these moments where they go on the sprinter and like you know it's a five-hour car journey and there's a lot of like bonding and like fun yes. and, and like chats and drinking and you miss out on all of that. And I feel like, you know, it puts you, it, you know, even aside from the fact that Kenya is about to ruffle a lot of feathers when everyone confronts her about the fact that the child is there, but she's already sort of put herself out by not being involved um, with the other ladies up to that point. Which I think is purposeful. I think, you know, where, I think Kenya likes to play the victim. And I think a huge part of that is by like forcing this kind of ostracization. Like she wants to make it look like it's her and them. And she's finding ways for them to, to, to kind of get angry at her ahead of time. I think she, she's definitely trying to put some sort of barrier up between herself and the other girls. Um, There were also like two other things that came out of, this episode that I loved speaking of like going to the pandemic journey love the fact that Dennis dropped Portia off and the like slight bits of gossip that that caused and people like okay Dennis is dropping you off and then when the girls were like like Kenya having to defend herself to sort of say yes Dennis slept the night but nothing happened we didn't do anything and then she literally listed off 
like every type of sexual activity you can think of. And then she was like, we didn't do that. That completely just made me laugh. And then when the ladies were in the bus and they were talking about threesomes and Candy just finally literally laid it all out for her that she definitely has threesomes and people are definitely signing NDAs before they get into those threesomes. But I'm wondering if now that she's told people for real that it happens, I'm wondering if that like voids the NDAs in any way. I want to know who her and Todd are sleeping with. (laughs) Um. Yes, I love the NDA. I mean, like, iconic. Chris Jenner has the pile of NDAs by the front door, and I'm sure Candy Burris has the same. Like, I think that it's not just the threesomes that are having the NDAs being signed at the front door. I reckon it's a lot of people that go into Candy's house that have to sign that NDA. She's a smart lady. I'm into it. Would you ever have people sign an NDA, that are, like, for your friendship? If people want to be, like, down with you and do things with you, like, would you have me sign an NDA? Oh, my God. Well, you know what? I will start by saying if I wanted you to sign an NDA, I should have done it, like, months ago. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Can you backdate an NDA? I don't know how that <laughs> But um, I don't know. I think, I think when you're that famous or rich or you know infamous even yeah I think you have to start to protect yourself right and that there's a lot of people who want to come after you for your fame or your money or whatever else it is or you know propel their own career or whatever it happens to be so I, I think you do that in order to protect yourself um, I mean, is it any different to having a prenup? You know, you don't have a prenup because you you know that you're going to get divorced. You have a prenup because you just want to, you know, clarify things before it gets really messy. Um, so would I make you sign an NDA? Maybe when I'm famous, when this podcast becomes <laughs> a YouTube series with an associated show on Bravo. I don't know. <laughs> It's just made me realise that we haven't signed any legal contracts between us about this show. I know last week you did say that I own 51% of this podcast, so I guess because that's out in the ether and I didn't edit it out of the show, the whole world now knows. So maybe that's just like our legally binding agreement. Yeah, I mean, I can have my lawyer talk to your lawyer, but I think that's I've incriminated myself in last week's episode. (laughs) A hundred percent. Before you incriminate yourself anymore, let's take a quick break and then come back and talk Dallas. How does that sound? (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) And we're back. Yes, I I just wish to put a disclaimer in that anything I say on this podcast cannot be used against me in a court of law. Anything you do or say. Well, I can't really be. do anything on the podcast. But I, I'm watching you and okay. so I can see things. And so I'm I'm just letting you know okay. that you're that you're being watched. Thank you. Um, well let's dig into Real Housewives of Dallas. We're on episode number four. Mm-hmm. <sighs> How are you feeling about it? Are you enjoying it? Not enough, Tiffany, this episode. That's all I'm gonna say. Dr. Tiffany Moon, she had, like, she had a really good episode. And, like, she was never going to have that much 
this episode. It's got to be balanced. But, like, she's my hero. The, the, the scene this week where she was, like, practicing for her tests and we got mm. to see her be a doctor in action and her children got to see her be a doctor in action. This is what mum does. This is how she saves people. Like, this is the content I didn't know that I needed from a housewife. You know what? I, I agree with you. Watching her, like put in the the trachea thing so that the dummy could breathe was great but what we did see about tiffany in this episode is her proper story arc and storyline evolve because if she was going to be the person that was like the savior like you know helping white people repent for their racism for the whole season that is too much emotional labor and not something I was down to watch. But now we're seeing that her arc is actually going to be the work-life balance. That is the struggle that she is is facing, which is slightly different than Stephanie's arc, which is Stephanie's now going for the the more than just a mum arc, the trying to find myself arc and, you know, building her own business and stuff. So for me, that's what I really loved. I felt like this episode, we finally got into what the season is going to really be about. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of, like, foreshadowing of that. I love that word, foreshadowing. Um, I think the other women as well are very much aware of the fact that she does struggle with work-life balance and I think, you know, her kids are very aware of it and I think we are just going to, yeah, I agree with you, continue to see her want to balance her responsibilities between being a mother and also, like, working. Do you reckon she's going to quit her job? I Like, that's where I feel like we're heading towards. Yeah, I I 100% feel like we're heading towards her not quitting, but maybe taking a step back. And it's really interesting because I know you haven't watched Married to Medicine, but um, essentially for so much of Married to Medicine is essentially just a bunch of fabulous Dr. Tiffany Moons. They all just happen to be black. And it's it's the same thing. Like we've watched, there's a, another uh, uh, um, uh, anesthetist um, who's on Married to Medicine Los Angeles. And she is goes through the exact same thing. Her whole thing is struggling to to have a work life balance, and her kids want her home more and things like that. But the really interesting thing um, about when you get to a certain level of as being a of being a doctor, um, there are some roles where you can essentially not do it casually, but you can be a part-time anaesthetist so you can work at one or two hospitals and only go in maybe once or twice a week if they're um because they'll just call you when they need someone so Mm. if there's some major surgeries um and you can also just kind of be on call so you know and we know anaesthetists get paid a lot really well because what they you know they make sure that you're not going to die on that operating table and help to keep make sure that you're going to be safe and help make sure that you're going to be okay during surgery. So I think that what I've learned from Dr. Britton, who is the, the, uh, the doctor on married to medicine that I'm referring to, and please watch married to medicine. If you haven't already find it, it's beautiful. Um, but what I've learned from watching Dr. Britton is that it is when you're at that sort of level that her and like Dr. Tiffany Moon are at, it is possible to achieve that. So I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like I've seen this story before, but um, I really can't wait. And I agree with you that I think we're heading towards her 
maybe not completely quitting because it's so much of what defines her, but I think we're definitely going to see her stepping back a bit from her role as a doctor. And also I just want to say to you, you saw both her daughters this week. How did it feel for you to see both twins? I mean, I saw both of the children last time. I just didn't realise that (laughs) they were like identical twins (laughs) but this week it did make a lot more sense (laughs) maddie and chloe they are honestly i love them they're just adorable and i really like her husband i think he is you know what it is like you can tell that she's so extra and crazy and intense and he's just like really chilled out and i think that that's a good combo that they've got going on oh can't help but stand. Yeah, I mean, I will only refer to her as Dr. Tiffany Moon. And I don't know if you can hear this, but my dog is outside my door because she wants to be on this podcast. And she has this squeaky toy and it's going off. So if you hear any random squeaks, that's just Maisie squeaking away. I would like to think <laughs> that the squeak is in the, um, in agreement with what we're oh, saying about Dr. Dr. Tiffany Moon. Moon. When we're watching Dallas, and I watch Dallas with my dog, and she sees Dr. Tiffany Moon, she squeaks. Yes, I can hear. <laughs> She's going a little bit crazy with the squeaky. But, you know, it, it adds it adds the textures. Um, I guess the, the other arc that I did bring up before is that of Stephanie. So last week, you know, we saw her talking about how she is actively starting this charity and foundation, and she announced it to the girls. But this week, she had a challenge. She had a weekend makeover challenge, the sort of thing that you would see on, like, the block or something. I'm not into this storyline. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know how I feel about the whole Stephanie Holman break-free narrative. Like, I mean, like, good for her, but I'm just, like, I I watch it and I'm, like, meh. I don't even, like, think we're going to bring it up on the podcast, to be honest. Really? You don't want to talk about it? I just feel like, I don't know, where is it going? Where is it headed? Well, she has an office now and her mum is on her board of directors. They painted the office. She put her desk in there. Like, she is going to obviously set up some event. Like, it has to lead to something. So there's the lockers thing that's going on. But she's obviously going to have to have a charity event to launch it. I just would like to say that the thing that annoyed me most about the scene was when she started rolling paint over the, like, electrical socket. I was like, honey, no, we can't do that. you got to, like, put the masking tape around it and, like, cut in around. She do was you want a- me to just tell you something? This is how I know we're the same because that is also something that gave me heebie-jeebies. I also, like, was freaking out when she was putting the tape down. It was just not done. It was rushed. It was not done in a nice manner. Things were just like <laughs> stuck down. And I was like, oh, God, when they go to cut in to paint, it's not going to look good. I don't even, can we just, while we're talking about it, just the painting technique. I don't know. I, the mum. Should we the... just, we should also just do another <laughs> podcast on painting. <laughs> and this is going to be like 
this will be that moment when we like will reference back to on that podcast. But the way that the mum had the brush for the cutting in, but she, she had the wrong ran... brush. She had the wrong brush. Well, she had the wrong brush, but then she was also yeah. kind of like half cutting in, half randomly brushing parts of the yes. wall. I don't understand what they were trying to do. She had the wrong brush for the wall and she was cutting. You're right. The way she was painting her technique, she was cutting it. And I was watching it going like, honey, are you just going to paint that same spot? Because you've already given that spot like seven layers. Like I am a hundred percent with you. I was like, how about one of you gets on the big roller? I was like, where are the rollers even? One of you needs to get on the big roller, you know, roll it out. You're obviously not putting any primer down. You're going just straight on with the paint. But somebody needs to get on the big roller, then somebody needs to get on a ladder and start doing that, cutting in those cornices. Like, what is going on? <laughs> and you know what? When you hire out a commercial space as well, usually you have to return it to how you found it. Just put paintings on the wall. Why are we painting the actual wall? No, I agree with you. But, um, wow, I think we've just unlocked another part of our personality that people didn't really know about. <laughs> And I'm sorry, and, but if you, yeah, I know you didn't come here for a painting podcast, but if you do, you know, want to talk interiors, Patricia and I are also your people. I, I just want to say that, like, that is the level of interest I have in Stephanie Holman's like, <laughs> storyline this season, that I'm, like, more concerned about the painting and how the glass on that table was, like, custom cut for the table as well. Just, like, that's that's what I'm paying attention to with the Stephanie <laughs> Holman, like, storyline. Um, so the other storyline that evolved this week is Carrie versus Deandra. We've known this was coming. It's been building, it's been building. And this week, like, Carrie was really going at Deandra for every little thing. I mean, yeah, she's been doing it for a couple of weeks now and I think she thinks it's cute, but it's not. I just want to say the way that Carrie, it's it's like I like that everybody can see when Carrie's going in for Deandra, but what Carrie's doing is not new. She did the same stuff to Leanne, not saying that Leanne didn't deserve it, but the way she finds someone and she the way she picks her brand of like comedy of like being a bitch it's so annoying. I hate it so much. I guess, yeah, she's just not likable. She's not likable. She's not likable at all. And she's one of those people where it's like, if you're her friend, then you're fine. Like, if you're her bestie, like, she'll never do that to Cameron. Mm-hmm. But if she if she finds someone to pick on, somebody that she can kind of pretend to be more superior over, she goes in. I just, uh, uh, I just don't like Carrie. I'm no, sorry. No, that's fair enough. She adds nothing. I'm really sorry for everyone watching that they had to put up with another season of her bullshit. <laughs> like, we should give her the Brandy edit. Just, like, quiet close her. Just, like, give her a half season and just hopefully she disappears by the next. Like, Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I guess, like, so this is another thing that I've noticed with no Leanne in the mix to be, like, the ultimate villain and Brandy now doing meditation and affirmations every day, Brandy, like, suddenly has no one to be angry at all the time and no one to pick on. And I know that she's also getting, like, not much of an edit. Like, they're not focusing that much on her. But 
I also think that she's just doing nothing. There's not, no one in this group that she can have drama with. But, but is it, I just want to say, isn't that interesting? I, I mean, I very much think that Leanne was the whipping girl. Like, and, and also I think like Leanne had like a huge, you know, energy and presence and she very much believed like, and she's somebody who's been on a few reality shows. So she's really into like being on reality TV and she knows how to make television. But I just think that with her out of it, I think that they, they're all a little bit lost because they're like, somebody has to be mean and somebody has to be this and somebody has to be that. And they don't know what roles to play anymore. But Moshi, Brandy went to rehab and she's doing self-affirmations now. She's telling herself that she loves herself. That's her, why she's her, a better yeah. self now. It's interesting to see her going through radical self-love. Like, I'm enjoying it. I still like that her daughter is throwing her shade. Like, her daughter telling her that that green eyeshadow or whatever it was looked like shit. I was like, this kid is fabulous. Give this kid a show. She needs to be on, like, Dance Mums, but, like, a cheerleading version. Oh, my God. I think that would be much better suited for Brandy than Housewives, actually. Yeah. I think she needs just uh, her kids. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that we're now st- – like, ugh, these COVID episodes are just really slow burns. And I think, you know, it was interesting. They So they went to celebrate Brandy's birthday and Deandra bought that uh, – Captain Brandy. Head, Captain Brandy, which was like a, a like a mannequin, mannequin head, a mannequin head on a staff, and it's really interesting because, like, so those sorts of things, like I've seen them at like a lot of music festivals. People will have like that. It's a signpost essentially. So it's something that you use in like really big groups so that people don't get lost. So they can always see like the Captain Brandy and they know where they are. But it just didn't really work in this context. I kind of understood what Deandra was trying to do. Like it was a bit Burning Man. It was a little bit like a bit weird sort of stuff, I think. And I just think the other ladies have no idea. But that makes me think as well that I want to know more about Deandra's past. I mean, she's been engaged 13 times. Um, I want to know, I suspect that she's done a shit ton of drugs. And I also think that she's probably gone to a fair few like crazy festivals and stuff. I'd be really interested to know a little bit more about what Deandra was like when she was in her 30s or her 20s. Oh my God. I guess that's why she's been predisposed to like having a shaman now as well. Yes. Like she's, she's, she's done some things. She's, she's done some things and I'm, I'm curious. I want to know about them because she's literally had a rich kid life, you know. She's somebody, it's kind of interesting, this whole storyline that she's trying to create where it's about reconnecting with her brother. The whole and then she talks more about her the relationship that her brother had with her dad before he died. It seems to me very much like the, his second family, which was the family that he had with her younger brother and her stepmom, that was a family that he was more of a dad in. And it sounds to me like when the Will situation happened that she simply just didn't, like she took all the money for herself and didn't, share and that just doesn't make any sense to me um but it also strikes me as she's somebody from a young age like she's incredibly entitled but she's somebody who was told from a young age that you're going to inherit all of this stuff like everything the light touches is our kingdom you know like 
<laughs> I don't necessarily think she was sitting with Mufasa at the edge of a cliff. But I think, you know, that's why she, she kind of doesn't have any real ambition because she was raised to not have ambition. I think she very much thought that she'd probably, you know, be a bit of a Tinsley Mortimer, marry somebody rich and continue to live this lifestyle that she'd been accustomed to. And I guess perhaps some of those 13 people she was engaged to fell into that. But then somewhere along the line, she just was really unhappy and it wasn't going to work. Well, do you think she killed her father? No. (laughs) Scar did that. And wow, if you are out here blaming Simba for killing Mufasa, we cannot be friends. Oh, um, sorry, it was just the Lion King thing. I was just thinking about that the whole time. You're so rude. You're so rude. Um, yeah, I guess Deandra is really interesting. We haven't really seen much of her because I feel like she was always kind of like under like Leanne's yep. like wing or shadow. I don't know, like some metaphor. Um, and so we never really got to see much of her, right? So I agree with you. So we're in definitely like a new, I don't know what you would call it, but it's like uh, a new universe of Dallas Housewives. So this whole like there's going to be, when you're talking about Dallas in the future, you're going to talk about like with Leanne and then you're going to start talking about like Dallas after Leanne. Mm. Actually, uh, I don't know if you saw this, Moshi, but uh, Deandra actually said this week that, she was offered a spot as an OG in season one, but declined. Um, and then she came in on season two. How'd you say that? That doesn't surprise me. I think sometimes people want to, I think she was always going to have an in, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, it's that thing of like, she doesn't actually have to be on housewives because she's always going to have a, an in. And I think she was like, let me just see how it plays out. Let me see who's going to be on it. Let me, let me scope out the lay of the land. And then, and then she jumped in and she did it the right way. I, um, I definitely am enjoying seeing a lot more of Deandra. I, I love this week um, how she is doing this storyline about reconnecting with her family. And so instead of sending like the letter in the mail, they actually go and like drop it off to like <laughs> the house. And she has to wear like a hat and a scarf thing i don't even know what that scarf was it was like a poncho i don't i don't know and then the way she like runs out of the car puts it into the mailbox and like makes jeremy like drive off as fast as like he can and then he like gaslights her by being like are you sure you put it in the right letter yes but my favorite part was at the end when then he impersonates her (laughs) doing it (laughs) and he's like rolling around on the floor wearing like the (laughs) scarf oh my god amazing so I think we're starting to see the fun side of Deandra also I really like Deandra's house I should just say we've we've usually only seen like her closet and a bit of the kitchen but I really like seeing her front door this week just putting that out there but um well that's if you're allowed into the house Moshi (laughs) yes via the front door unless you're brandy then you have to go via the side entrance and sit outside which for somebody who got annoyed when people called her miss covid I thought was a bit rude but um yeah I'm enjoying seeing a bit more of the like fun relaxed side of Deandra I as gross as Jeremy was the other week when he was stroking the tiger on the crotch of her bikini bottoms 
um, and saying that he wished that was him. It was. It is nice to see them just having fun. Like they they obviously love each other, have a shit ton of sex, and just yeah, you know, things look good there for them. Uh, this was definitely the episode of impersonations, though, because um, oh, Carrie's, Carrie's daughter. daughter also <laughs> offered up an impersonation of Carrie. I died. Can, can I just say we need to protect Olivia at all costs? Protect her. She does not belong in that family. She needs to be saved. <laughs> but her impersonations of Carrie were so good because obviously nobody is allowed to do that accent but your family. And <laughs> she, she was brilliant. She was spot on as well. But you know what? I definitely know women like Carrie, the ones that are like, oh, my God, it's like the last time I'm going to, like, cook this food at, when I'm 49. It's the last time I'm going to, like, <laughs> go to the toilet. <laughs> You know who Carrie is? <laughs> Carrie is that girl on the 1st of January who's like, oh my god, Moshi, I haven't seen you all you year. See, yeah. <laughs> I believe that that girl is you. No. <laughs> gross. You're it's... such a, I'll see you next year <laughs> on the 31st of December. That is exactly who you are. You are that girl. <laughs> I actually, you know what? You might have audio proof because I feel like on our last podcast of 2020, I may you have totally, said that. You totally but it said was that. Ironic. I was nah. being ironic. You forget that I can see your face. <laughs> Remember what you said nothing you see or do can be held against you in a court of law. <sighs> this is a kangaroo court, so you're fine. Okay? You're fine. <sighs> But you are that girl. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved, I, I mean, Olivia is a breath of fresh air. She got her own confessional. That is, you know, when you're a kid and you start, when you get your own confessional, you've made it. Yes, 100%. You are canon now. You are part of, you are part of housewives law. Like, no one can take that away from you ever. Um. Ah, just like so, you know the the brandy, the brandy birthday lunch is not over. You know, we at the end of this episode, um, we're mid drama. Like the Carrie and Deandra feud is starting to like heat up. But you know what I noticed at the end of this episode and the tease for next was Cameron is back to the bullshit about the chicken feet and the yum char lunch. Ugh. And I was thinking about it. You know, Carrie and Cameron are, like, best friends. They've got this podcast now. They've been spending all the time together. Besties. Do you reckon that, like, Cameron is going to get this mean girl edit this season because she's, like, Carrie adjacent? Like, they are the two, you know, uh, I don't know, partners in crime stirring up all the trouble this season. Do you think Cameron is, like, guilty by association? I think Cameron is guilty just by being Cameron. I think Cameron is so used to being able to when she has her bad behaviour, get away with it. And I am somebody who is a Cameron Westcott fan. Her confessionals for me, she is still the funniest person. She is still very smart. But for whatever reason, I'm going to, I think this, like, we have to say it. On Housewives, if you don't have any drama, you get no airtime. And that's when people start creating their own stories, right? And we've seen it with Melissa Gorga. We saw it with Candace. 
people just make up storylines. And so I think that Carrie has just realized that she needs something, otherwise nobody's going to see her. So I think she's just she's producing she's trying to start a bit of trouble to give herself a little bit of airtime but it'll be interesting to see if it goes beyond next episode (sighs) on that note i think we should take a quick break i'm gonna powder my nose and we'll come back to discuss real housewives salt lake city powdering your nose are you doing coke in the bathroom (gasps) oh is that what you meant (laughs) Just a question. Lisa Rinna. So rude. Are you doing are you doing Coke in the bar? Okay. Just checking. I just think it's funny that you'll be the only one here and everyone will be in the bathroom together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. And um, we'll talk Salt Lake. Moshi, we're back. Are we? Fabulous. I've patted my nose and I'm ready to dig into episode 12, Salt Lake City. We're in Vegas, baby. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Apparently not. Until... We're at, this is the second last episode of the season before the reunion. Oh, my God. So sad. I, did you see that Mary M. Cosby revealed that it is a three-part reunion, which makes it iconic because there has never been a premiere season that has a three-part reunion. Well, I think part of the reason why it has a three-part reunion is because Mary was never there. There's probably, like, so much to actually catch up on. And there's so many, like, fill in the dots. Like, I just want to say really quickly, in this episode, Lisa Barlow just, like, basically just passes that her and Heather sorted out their stuff at some point. And we just never saw them sort out their crap. She just, the way Lisa just mentions it off the cuff, and I was like, when? When did you sort it out? Like, there's just so much that we missed. Yeah, it's like sometime between episode one and episode three, I reckon. But yeah, I feel like, uh, I know we're talking about the episode, but I do feel like for the reunion, there's going to be a lot of like explaining to Mary what has happened because uh, I just know she hasn't watched any of the episodes. (laughs) She wasn't there for half the filming. People have been like, not that they're talking behind her back, but like there's just been a lot that's happened without Miriam Cosby that they're going to have to catch her up on. And that's going to be like one whole part of the three-part reunion is just context for Mary. You know what? Let's let's start with Mary in this episode. Like she was in it towards the end, again, just for five minutes, again, just from the comfort of her own home in her bedroom where Charlinda was there and then Charlinda was gone. And she was having like a video chat uh, FaceTime with uh, Lisa and Lisa just like totally just told her all the shit that happened with Jen. And for me, the highlight was when, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing, but Mary is of all the people Mary saying how, you know, Jen wants people to understand her, but how do you understand crazy? I was like, from, from Mary's mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Oh my god, I felt the exact same way. I just, just, and I, I felt like I was giving Mary, uh, like the, I don't know, like a poor edit. I don't know, like I can't, I can't explain myself right now. But I was like, wow, like Mary's meant to be the crazy one, but actually she is like the most balanced. But then I was like, actually Mary's not crazy. Mary has been given this edit where like we've 
shared so much shit about her. Like, it's been like, you fucked your grandfather. <laughs> like, you have, like, this, like, hospital smell thing. Like, people have just been really mean to her. And I don't think we've had a chance to get to know her enough that, like, I'm sitting there being like, oh, my gosh, she's actually not that crazy. But we've she's actually not had an opportunity to prove if she is crazy or not to even begin with. It's just the crazy eyes. It's the crazy eyes, like Ramona. But I, the other thing is that we, I think we've assumed that there's an edit here that is the reason why Mary hasn't been, you know, part of the things. But I feel like Mary has a lot of agency and that she's more in control of her reputation than she might think. And here's the weird thing. We we know that, like, it's wrong to exclude someone from the cast trip, but I think people can just say they don't want to go. Like, I think that's the thing that we've been missing is that a lot of the time these women are so hungry for the screen time because you get paid according to how much you're on screen. And we finally have someone who's just like, hmm, nah I'm not interested like I think she's actually unbothered I yes I agree and I think actually Mary's not the only one doing it I think Meredith is also very much doing this right there's this like yeah unspoken thing of like how you meant to like just stick it out and go through it all but we've got Mary and Meredith who are both just like you know what? This is actually like not worth my time. This is not worth the anxiety. It's not worth like the bullshit. I'm stay home. Like, like I'm just like I'm not. I'm not. I'm disengaging. Like I'm not engaged right now. And yeah, Mary is very much doing that. And yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, the risk that you run is that you don't have enough screen time, or that you know production doesn't offer you a contract for the next season because you were let's say difficult because you didn't go on these cast trips or whatever it happens to be. Um, but yeah, like obviously Mary's got like enough money and like, you know, enough going on in her life that she doesn't need the housewives. This is just like a fun thing that she decided to do. Yeah. I think we've completely misconstrued the whole thing. I definitely think there was obviously issues with production and changing the production companies, but I a hundred percent think Mary has just been like, I cannot be fucked being part of that (laughs) and I'm just not doing it. And I actually think that that's really empowering. She's chosen to control her narrative in a way that I think worked in her benefit, particularly this episode, because I think a lot of what we've, we've seen and let me just sort of like go right back. This is a, a, a brand new franchise We spoke about, we kind of aligned the launch of our podcast with the premiere of Salt Lake City because it was so hyped up. We were were being told that this is going to be the one. This is going to be the next big, big show. And we went in with so much preconceived notions because there was so much PR around it. You know, we were like, can't wait to see Jen Shah. She's definitely going to be our fave. All this sort of stuff. And now that we're at the end, towards the end, and we can definitely talk about it more next week, but the whole show has like particularly today Jen is basically the villain of the whole season which is not something that I guess we all saw coming right mm, yeah I guess so I think she was always gonna be the the hot one like yeah you know, whether it's like villain the or spicy the one edit, yeah like she was always gonna be the one that was 
you know, bringing, bringing the action to the show, I think. Um, just to play the other side of the coin here, though, as well, that, that we do know that Mary was point to only be a friend of so, rather than a full housewife. We don't know that. I'm, I know it because I've read it somewhere and the internet doesn't lie. So I know, but Mary was recently asked if that was the case. She did not confirm nor did she deny. She, she, she actually just did an interview recently with E! News and they, the, the E! News correspondent basically just goes in and asks her all of those questions and she's like, that's not quite the case. But she does say that she didn't really want to be in it that much and she's quite surprised that people kind of want more Mary. I want more Mary. Well, yeah, I guess it's one of those things. Like, she probably doesn't think that her life is that interesting or compelling to watch. How do you fuck your grandfather and then not think that your life is going to be that interesting? Because I don't think she defines herself by the fact that she's fucked her step-grandfather. Um, I think for her, like, I think she she's eccentric, right? She's not crazy, mm-hmm. she's eccentric. And I think she, like, doesn't see that as, like, a part of her life. She's like, that. I think that's to her is like a contractual obligation. I think that was <laughs> just, like, it was something that was, you know, a part of the deal. Yeah. I mean, but she was so upfront about it in the promos right before the season started. Like she was telling everyone the story about how she married her step-grandfather. And to be honest, like the first, you know, three episodes, she spoke about it a lot in her confessionals. Um, and by the fourth episode, I mean, she did say she that that wasn't what defined her, but that it is an interesting thing about her. Yes, but it's definitely defined her time on the show. Not so much anymore, but definitely in those, yeah, earlier the first half of the season. Yeah. But what I want to talk about is I want to talk about Jen's behavior and her bad behavior and how in this episode, it really culminated with all of the women finally holding Jen accountable for her just outrageousness. Yeah. And I guess like the first part of this is that they, they have like, they well, they're meant to have a group dinner um, and Jen arrives to find, you know, Meredith and Lisa Barlow. <laughs> Don't even try to forget her name, okay? Her name stays I, in your mouth. I love her. Um, and that's where it all, like, kicks off, right? Because the two ladies reveal to Jen that they've, like, uh, accepted Whitney's apology. And Jen just, like... I think like gets triggered and then Whitney shows up and it's just, it's, it's a lot. I initially was thinking though, like I think she came in hot and by hot, I mean, she had had a few drinks with the Shah squad <laughs> because I think we only see this behavior from Jen when she's been drinking alcohol. So I, I a hundred percent agree with you that alcohol sends her to another place. Yes, because I feel like the outbursts that she's been having have only been around the presence of alcohol. Well, Um, she'd been drinking earlier that day with Heather. With Heather, and I'm sure as she was getting ready, she was, you know, free-pouring drinks as well. So she came in a little bit, like, tipsy, I'm sure. Um, Tipsy girl. 
But I think the other thing as well is that she has like a problem with people telling her what to do and how to feel and, you know, decisions that she should be making. And that's sort of like one of the things that sort of came out in this like altercation. You know what? I agree with you that she's, there's definitely some deeper issues there that were causing her to kind of behave the way that she was behaving. I think the thing for me in this episode that really just made me be like, God, you're, you're just, you're, you're being completely unreasonable is it's her continue, the fact that she continues to just double down on things where like she literally, if just at any moment up until there was like, I'm just trying to figure out when it was exactly that there was no coming back from her for her there was like I think she had the I think the girls gave her many opportunities to just kind of be like I'm sorry you know I shouldn't have done this I shouldn't have done this but it's the fact that she just so doubles down and I actually think it was Heather with Heather when Heather came to her room I think if she had not gone that crazy and had just listened to Heather right from the beginning then when they went to go and see Kim the hypnotist Heather would have had her back Mm-hmm. Well, Jane, I think she, yeah, she puts herself in this position where it's hard to support her as a friend, right? When she's alienating everyone she, around that's her. That's exactly it. She got to the point where she alienated Heather. And by alienating Heather, you're done. There's nobody there for you now. Because Heather has been her ride or die. She has been the one, and she consistently says it, you know, like she said it in the bars. She said it again in this episode. She's like afraid of losing Jen as a friend. She like, you know, wants to support Jen as much as she can. She knows how it feels to be in these situations where, you know, you rejected. Yeah. That, that like people try to put you in a box and don't understand who you are as a person and, you know, tell you how to feel or act. She gets it. Heather is the one that gets it the most out of the entire cast. And for Jen just to, like, you know, push her away, I mean, like, I, I support Heather because I'm like, well, like, Heather, don't, like, waste your time, girl. Just, like, you know, Jen's not worth it. You know, but also Heather did say in her confessional that she's not the sort of person that cuts people off. Relationships, like, friendships, she said, like, you need to work through it. She, you know, I love listening to her and I was like, everybody deserves a friend like Heather. She was basically like, I will take you at your best. I will take you as your worst. I will take you as you are and I will accept you. But we, but you, but she was basically saying, but that's not an excuse for you to get away with bad behavior. I'm here to work things out with you. And I think what really happened, and we sort of need to say like from this bad behavior, Whitney had arranged this, this um, get this, I don't know what you would call it, this session of healing um, with a woman named Kim. And it was fucking hilarious. Um, but in that last scene where Kim asks, does this trust exercise game? And we should definitely do this the next time we're with friends. Um, but is that, you know, put your hand up if you trust Patrizio, you know, and nobody put their hand up or if you don't trust Patrizio. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, as you can tell, we both put our hands up. But it was like, when everybody at that point she'd gone around the room and asked everyone and no one and no one had put their hands up until she said put your hands up if you you know you don't trust Jen and all the women put their hands up and then she said put your hand up if you don't trust Heather 
And Jen put her hand up. And in that moment, I was like, Jen is literally just being petty. And Jen even had a look on her face that a five-year-old has. Like she was doing it deliberately to be mean and she didn't care. And I was like, in that moment, I was like, how dare you, Jen Shah? Oh my god, the way that she, she had that like the look on her face. Smirk. Like yes. that, that it's that kid who's like taking a shit somewhere in the house. <laughs> like <laughs> mum's gonna find this later. <laughs> she was so pissed. <laughs> I just when she did that, I was just like sorry, that's just like my dog trampling all over everything. But I was just like can't believe she actually did that and then didn't say anything and then just sort of like looked around and it was just in that moment I was like you don't even care she just doesn't care uh, you know I, I want to say that um, while Heather is someone who like refuses to cut people out I love cutting people out like Same. if you cross me like we're done um, and I think Heather I get where she's coming from but I think there's also it gets to a point where and I think we've seen that now by the end of the episode (laughs) like things just aren't gonna change and like you know you can give someone the benefit of the doubt you can give them you can give someone the chance to prove you wrong or whatever like you know the housewives like to say these days but at the end of the day like Jen's just like she's gone against the one person who just supported her Mm -hmm. the most who cared for her genuinely compared to any of the other ladies. It's very clear that she doesn't really have a relationship with Whitney, that she's only friends with her because of Heather, that Meredith and Lisa, I mean, uh, I don't even know where their friendship stands really. Um, I, but I don't think it's that, like, I don't think they're that close. I don't know, except for with Meredith. I, I just don't understand how they would, like, even be friends given that, like, Jen lives in Salt Lake City and, like, clearly Meredith is, like, rent-a-home. <laughs> but I will say I loved what Jen Shah was wearing at the hypnotists. That 70s outfit giving me Daphne from Scooby-Doo vibes. Patricio, I was 100% with you. I was like, because that is my era, and I was like, I would wear that jumpsuit with that big chunky belt in a heartbeat and then the headband <gasps> I was here for all of it she looked so good her body oh was like boy. snatched that Nashed. was form fitting oh, her makeup boobs, was on point the, the boobs whole were threatening look. to ex- like to explode out of her outfit at any moment it was like risque and you know what? If you're about to lose every friend you've made on this show, mm-hmm. like do it looking that fabulous. Do it I looking think. that fabulous. I was obsessed. Um, I do want to talk about somebody though who is willing to cut Mary off, and that was Lisa Barlow. And <laughs> <laughs> and I was really impressed. This was her episode, I think, to be honest with you. She just, like, spoke up the whole time. She didn't back down to anyone. She came to everyone's defense against Jen. She just, I don't know, I really loved that she just, like, at the dinner after Meredith disengaged, she was she stayed there and she pushed through. Um, but then to visibly see her heartbreaking when Meredith finally came clean about the truth about her separation with Seth, 
mm-hmm. and they just aimed the camera right at Lisa's face and you could literally see her doing that blink that you do when you are fighting back pain heartbreak tears and I guess this is the thing right it's sort of like I think is is this Lisa's moment of like clearly we weren't as close of friends Mm -hmm. as I thought we were well she basically said that in her confessional that this is somebody who she thought was her best friend somebody that she knew but now she's watching this and she's like I don't know who this woman is Having said that, though, the next day when they go to the hypnotist and they're all on the couch and the, and the hypnotist, who definitely is giving me very, like, Alison Dubois oh, vibes. Oh, hardcore Alison Dubois vibes. Without um, being too much of a bitch, though. Yeah, and without an e-cigarette. But <laughs> she asked them to sit on the couch, like, where they feel comfortable. And, like, everyone kind of gives themselves space and Whitney puts herself like in between like Heather and Jen but Lisa and Meredith are like sitting on top of each other oh of course (laughs) so clearly even though they've had this moment the night before of like Lisa thinking like I thought we were like besties clearly there's been some sort of like follow follow up conversation there or something because you don't just like sit on top of each other like that if you've you feel that you know you've been that like slighted by your friend I I don't think it's I don't think it's just that I think like she's able to compartmentalize. I think in, in her mind, she's like, she will deal with the Meredith thing later. Right now she wants to deal. Like, I very much think that's how Lisa operates. Like she very much is just like, she can focus on something while a whole bunch of other things are going on. Like that's how she gets through life. That's how she has a hundred businesses. That's how she manages to be away from her children and her family and and do things she's so focused on this mary situation and solving that that i think she's just put the meredith thing to the side and i'm sure we'll hear more about it at the reunion i wonder as well if it was also a moment of you know that clearly jen did know that meredith was seeing other people so Jen had that information mm-hmm. and Lisa didn't. And, um, you know, because that's been this, that's the issue. That's the core issue here, right? It's this whole, like, Meredith, Jen, Lisa, you know, who said what about who and who's saying it to who as well. And I'm sure Lisa would have been a bit upset that, you know, Meredith had revealed that part of her life to Jen because Meredith seems like she is quite... You know, for someone who's on a reality show, she seems to be quite private about her personal life. Well, I think she just she's she's playing the 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 end game here. Like, you know, she's she's being private when there are certain scenarios, but obviously, in the back of her mind, she knows as well that Jen knows, so she knows that it could come out, and I think that's all part of it. Um. The apologies at the end of this episode. I mean, I don't even care about the apologies. What I care about is Alison Dubois, (laughs) like, reminding Jen how to give an apology. You know what? Every housewife could benefit from learning how to apologize. How, How you say you're sorry. Not you're sorry because blah, blah, blah. Just I'm sorry. That's it. Yeah, no conditions. No conditions. Just no say it. No buts. Just an apology. Apology. Like, oh, somebody had to say it. And I'm glad it was Alison Dubois, a.k.a. Kim. 
Yeah, because you know what? I feel like we've seen a lot of these throughout the years on Housewives. All of these, you know, group therapy sessions. And it's been from, like, a whole bunch of different, you know, professionals. And this woman definitely comes across as probably the most alternative. There was the elephant room. I mean, that was quite interesting as well on Atlanta. But this one was definitely one for Oh, she's, she's going down but in history. I think she was actually... Because she was actually really I agree. Successful. She, she was just successful. You know what the interesting thing was? And I think, like, this is a thing, is that I think Jen was so caught off guard. I don't think she's used to having anybody kind of cut her off. And this woman, she's already in a position where everybody's kind of angry at her. She's got her legs between her tails. She's, uh, again, she's sober. She's not drinking. So she can, like, kind of read the room. But yeah, that woman cutting her off every time until she just said "I'm sorry" properly was hilarious. We do we love, love to, love see, to it. see it. Um, speaking of things that we love to see, I know we've just gone on this thing about Lisa and blah blah blah, but it does seem like next week, the final episode in the finale, that Lisa and and Jen kind of reconcile, and for whatever reason. Lisa kind of goes back on a lot of things that she said in this episode. I mean, is anyone surprised? <laughs> That's why Lisa. I don't know. I think like she's always struck me as somebody who like she does what she says she's going to do. So for her to go from "I don't want to be," "I don't want to be your friend," whatever to that then I'm happy about it then then to go back to being like okay the only one that's contacting Mary and um, Mary contacting Jen and trying to solve it I'm just like really interesting I don't know I think Lisa she's a businesswoman I think she does everything for a reason I think you know yeah she was saying a lot of shit at the end of that like fight at the dinner about how she never wants to talk to Jen again, but I think she sees something that happens at the hypnotist that obviously yeah, strikes the chord. And <laughs> I'm excited for the finale. <laughs> I am. I tried to take uh, away the squeaky toy, and she was not happy. <laughs> Just squeaking away. Luckily, we're at the end of the episode. Rude dog. Jesus. Right. Well, I'm excited for the finale next week. I'm sad that it's the finale. We've. Got, I feel like we got so many more episodes out of this season than I was expecting. Yeah, to have I think had. it was. I think it was the right amount of episodes. But we are at the end. Another of Another episode. episode done. Couldn't have done it without you. Well, I mean, that is to be seen. But um... next week, it's just me, guys. Just letting you know now. <laughs> Oh my god. Do I have do, no. do I have sick days? What do you think oh, this is? Okay. You don't even have a union. <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna unionize, unionize yourself. Podcast. But um in the meantime, um if you are listening and you haven't rated, reviewed, or subscribed, please click here. And I'm pointing at the button. Yeah. Like I always do. <laughs> you can listen to us on Anchor, you can listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Um, Please rate, review, subscribe. That kind of just helps people learn more about the podcast, find us, 
and helps us just sort of grow our listeners um as well please follow us on instagram at the lower level pod slide into our dms as we say every week let us know what you're loving what you don't love um and enjoy the rest of your week see you Bye, Patricio. <laughs>